0: All right, good morning. Good to see everybody. Hey, uh, Justin told me he found this watch in the parking lot. So if this belongs to you, I won't embarrass you, but you're going to come up and grab it right now. (laughs) And that might be embarrassing for you, so come grab this after service. I'm going to hand it back to Justin. Thank you, sir. It's a nice watch, so I thought we would let you know. Um one announcement before we uh, get into the message. Um, the city group that my wife and I lead, um, the Dash and Dine city group, um, we, we meet all year, but um, there is a running season, and the running season um, is March 16th through no- November 2nd, the uh, 34 weeks of daylight savings, and we partner with um, Altitude Running, a running store, um, to do a, a running group. So, um, it's for runners and walkers. I'm just If you're interested in this, um, come talk to me after service or talk to Evan and Melinda or, or my wife, Emily. Um, it's for runners or walkers, so um, you don't have to be like this amazing runner. Uh, Wednesday evenings at 6.15 p.m. It's coached professionally by um, running legend Doug Bell here in Greeley. And you also get a 50% discount at altitude running for the duration of the program. And so there's a cost involved at seventy-five per person. You get a you get a cool T-shirt as well, running running T-shirt. And um, there's also y- the youth price is forty-five dollars or thirty dollars without a shirt. Okay, so if you're interested in that, um, come talk to us after service. We have a um, a form for you to fill out, and we'd love for you to join us. It's a great group. We uh, We run and then we go get something to eat afterwards. We dash, we dine. It's a good time. So come, come check it out. If you're looking to get in shape and and actually, uh, you know, your New Year's resolution that you missed out on, now let's 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 get going. All right. It's only been we're only three months into the year. You can just you can circle back. It's okay. It's all good. All right. Grab your Bibles. If you don't have one of these. You should get one, and um, we have them. Actually, we'll be happy to give you. Um, We have English and Spanish translations, but um, I want to encourage you get the paper Bible. You know what I'm saying? I know it's on your phone. I get it. I know we put the words up on the screens. I get it. Get a paper Bible. Why? So you can write in it. You can take notes. Your phone's notifications aren't going off. So Emily and I were talking about this the other day. We want to kind of start pushing people get get yourself a paper Bible. Okay. All right, last week um, I did a a prophecy update. I talked a a little bit about the war that's unfolding in Ukraine and what importance that may or may not have in biblical uh, prophecy. And Today I kind of want to do a, I felt like I needed to do a follow-up message um, because there was a few things we didn't have time for um, to elaborate on. But really I want to take a few minutes and more than talk about the signs of the times and the different things and how things are lining up. I want to take a minute and talk about the mindset that believers need to have in the end times, in, in the last days. You know, technically, uh, since the book of Acts when the Holy Spirit was poured out, technically, the last days begun. But how many know that the, those last days are accelerating more and more as time rolls on? Um, but I want to talk more about the mindset than than the, uh, you know, actual science. Okay, the title of our message today is called How Then Shall We Live? How then shall we live? Are we going to live in fear? Come on, you guys know that. We're not going to live in fear. The mindset, I'm going to say, in the midst of all that has happened, is happening, and will happen, I believe we need to discuss how shall we live. Um, in the book of First Chronicles chapter 12, There's a list of uh, the tribes of Israel. uh, King Solomon, um, King Saul I should say, King Saul um, dies and the kingdom is now being handed over to King David and there's a list of tribes in Israel that are defecting from Saul's kingdom as it's being handed over to David and um, it lists these different tribes in the book of uh, 1 Chronicles chapter 12. And in most cases, it lists this tribe and what they were famous for, okay? For example, uh, 1 Chronicles 12, it it says this, These are the numbers of the men uh, armed for battle who came to David at Hebron to turn Saul's kingdom over to him, as the Lord had said. From Judah, carrying shield and spear, uh, 6,800 armed for battle. From Simeon, warriors ready for battle, 7,100. okay the Bible uh, commemorates most of these tribes uh, for some type of, um, they were good with weapons or they were brave or some type of um, attribute um, in that regard. And then we get to verse 32. We get to the the tribe of, of Issachar, the men of Issachar. And it says this about the men of Issachar. It says, from Issachar, men who understood the times and knew what to do. Okay, they, didn't get, they weren't commemorated for like, they're good with a the bow, they're good with a the sword, they're very brave. No, this is, they understood the times and they knew what to do. All right? Um, church, I believe this is what we need to be like in the last days, as things begin to unfold more and more. We need to um, understand the times we live in and know what to do. Okay, those are two separate things. In my opinion, most Christians don't possess both qualities simultaneously. Um, <clears throat> many Christians can see the time that we live in. They're like, I can tell the time. And I can, I can see the signs in the Bible, and I can tell the time. I'm good at telling time. But then they don't know what to do with it. Okay? We're supposed to do something with it, and there's a mindset that we're supposed to have in the end times, in the last days. Okay? Um, they see the times they live in, but they don't know what to do with it. Um, and some Christians don't have either. They don't know what time it is, and they don't know what they're doing. Okay. (laughs) All right. That's a lot of people, too. They don't know what time it is. They don't know what they're doing, but they believe in Jesus, so that's a a good thing. But listen, we want to know the times we live in because we want to diligently search this book and understand what things as they unfold, and we want to know how then shall we live. All right. We're going to look at um, Matthew chapter 24 and 25 a little bit today. Um, Jesus um, the disciples ask this question to Jesus, which we'll read here in just a minute, about discerning the times, but Jesus more than gives them, more than just giving them time, like here's how you tell what time it is, more than that, he also gives them a strategy. He gives them a strategy, and he gives them a mindset that we need to have today, okay? Matthew 24, uh, 1 through 3, it says this, Jesus left the temple and was walking away when his disciples came up to him to call attention to its buildings. Do you see all these things? He asked. Truly I tell you, not one stone here will be left on another. Every one will be thrown down. As Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came up to him privately. Tell us, they said, when will this happen? What will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? Okay, notice they asked Jesus, Jesus, three separate questions. When will the temple be destroyed? What is the sign of your coming? And what's the sign of the end of the age? Okay? Essentially, the disciples asked Jesus, what time is it? Right? Show us how to tell time. Show us the sign so that we know what time it is. All right? Um, Now, asking Jesus, and I'm grateful for the question. I'm grateful that they asked the question, tell us what time it is. That's a good question. Today, there are clock's Sprung forward, right? And there's less people in the 9 o'clock service. So you guys are the true early birds. (laughs) I barely made it here on time, okay. All right, you're all the true early birds, okay. Um, How many know what time is it is an important question? But Jesus answers their question a little bit in chapter 24, and we can go through the scriptures and unpack many of them to discern the times. But more than thing, uh, more than things, just to look at to say what time it is, he gave them a way to think and a way um, to live. All right, <clears throat> all right. So um, every once in a while, just like today, the prophetic clock in the world springs forward, just like today. Every once in a while, it springs forward. Um, I gave it now. If you didn't hear my sermon last week. You need to go back and listen to it because it was really good, number one. I don't say that about all my sermons, but it was good, okay. Um, but I, I outlined how that many of the alliances in the book of Ezekiel are, are, are coming in plain view today. For example, Russia, Iran, and um, uh, Turkey, these, these countries are coming into alignment as uh, uh, countries that will eventually attack Israel one day. Um, and then on the other side of that, Israel has been making alliances with um, what in the Bible says Dedan and Sheba, which is um, the countries on the Sinai Peninsula. Um, this week, I, I was uh, I was actually on YouTube, and there's a guy who I follow, and he posts this picture, and put, put that picture up. This is a picture, obviously, of a Jewish person, um, but he's in Abu Dhabi. Okay, and he posts this. He says, I'm in Abu Dhabi. My good friend, Amahad Taha, I don't know how to say his name, hosted me and my friends. Middle Eastern hospitality is something unforgettable. Who would have thought that Israelites and Emirates would sit together and talk about peace in the capital of the United Arab Emirates? Okay, um, this is exactly what I was talking about. This sort of thing would have never happened before 20, 2020, 20, 20, 2019 around there when Israel began to sign all those peace treaties with the countries in the Arabian Peninsula. This, to me, when someone who's paying attention, this makes my Bible prophecy antennas kind of go up a little bit. Like, oh, wait a minute, the Bible talks about this kind of stuff. Okay, now if you, yeah, so if you're paying attention, this kind of stuff pops out to you. Um, so every once in a while, Bible prophecy we spring forward. But here in Matthew chapter 24, Jesus helps the disciples tell the time. But just like the men of he didn't stop there. He also went on to tell them how to live. How shall we live? Shall we build a bomb shelter and live in fear? No, he didn't say that. Okay. Um, okay. Now, we're going to read. And um, Okay, before we get to that, um, you'll notice at the beginning of, of Matthew 24, I want you to notice this in your Bibles. At the beginning of Matthew 24, the disciples ask this question, and Jesus doesn't stop answering their question for two full chapters. So at the very beginning, they ask this question. Jesus answers them, and then for two full chapters, he answers their question. Now, I want you to notice that because Jesus didn't just give them um, some little points of how to tell the time. He, he gave them much instruction on how we shall live in these end times. And I don't have time, there's three parables that Jesus gives in Matthew 25. I don't have time to go in all of those parables. Each of them are very important of how we shall live. But I, today I felt like, uh, we only have time to really highlight one, and today I want to highlight the second one, which is the parable of the talents. Okay, that's what I feel like God wants us to go after today. So, um, in the NIV, it's called the, the parable of the bags of gold. In the uh, New King James Version, or the, or the King James Version. It's called the parable of the talents. Okay, what is a parable? A parable is a simple story that is used to reveal a spiritual or moral truth. Okay, so we're going to start in um, uh, chapter, or I should say verse 14. Matthew 25:14. Again, it will be like the man going on a long journey. Okay, I'll just pause real quick. When he's saying it, he's talking about the return of Jesus, return of himself and his coming kingdom. Again, it will be like a man going on a long journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. To one he gave five bags of gold, to another two bags, to another one bag, each according to, his, to their ability. Then he went on his journey. Okay, I just want to pause. You need to see yourself as the character in the story. You are the subject of this story, okay? You are the servant that he's entrusted something with. Okay, this parable is about us. This parable is about you. Um, so you're one of these servants. You're either a one-talent person, a two-talent person, a three-talent person, or a five-talent person. That doesn't really matter how much he's given you. The point is that he has entrusted each of us with something weighty and something of value, okay? We're gonna talk about what that is. Verse 16, the man who had received five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work and gained uh, gained five bags more. So also the one with two bags of gold gained two more. But the man who had received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. Verse 19, after a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. Okay, how many know that our master Jesus is on a long journey but he's coming back, and he's going to settle accounts with us, okay? Verse 20, the man who had received five bags of gold brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I have gained five more. His master replied, well, w- uh, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share in your master's happiness. The man who had two bags of gold Also came, Master, he said, you entrusted me with two bags of gold, see I have gained two more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come share in your master's happiness. The man who had received one bag of gold came. Master, he said, I knew that you are a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid, and I went out and hid your gold in the ground. See here, here's what belongs to you. Verse 26. His master replied, "'You wicked, lazy servant! "'You knew that I harvested where I have not sown "'and gathered where I have not scattered seed. "'Well then, you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers "'so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. "'So take the bag of gold from from him and give it to the one who has ten bags.' For he who has will be given more, and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken away from them, and throw that worthless servant outside into darkness, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Okay, that's kind of an intense portion of Scripture. How many know we want to be the faithful, wise servants? Okay, What is Jesus entrusted us? What is this weighty thing that he has entrusted to us, and how do we multiply it? Because that's what I want to do. I want to hear, well done, thy good and faithful servant. I trusted you with a few things here on earth. I trusted you with a little money, a little time, a little influence, and you took those things and multiplied them for my kingdom and my glory. Okay? To give you a little context of a talent, a talent uh, or the bag of gold in other translation, Um, is worth 20 years of labor's wage, okay? So even the one who had received one talent, this is not a trivial amount. Uh, For example, the median individual income for full-time workers in the United States is currently $1,010 per week or $53,520 per year. Uh, For simplicity's sake, we'll just call that $52,000 a year. So one talent of gold at 20 years is worth $1,040,000. Okay, that was the one who had received one talent. That's the equivalent of $1,040,000. The one who had received two, that's 40 years of a worker's wage. That's 2080000 And the one who had received five talents of gold, that's the equivalent of 100 years worth of wages, 5200000 These are not trivial amounts. And what I want to say about that is the things that God has entrusted you with They're not trivial. Yes, for us, it's a little time, it's a little influence, it's a little money, it's a little talent, it's whatever he's put in your hands, but they're not trivial amounts. They are weighty things that God has placed into our hands, okay? So what are we talking about today? It's how we steward our time, it's how we steward our money, it's how we steward our abilities, our relationships, our influence, our possessions, our health our authority, our words, the grace that God has given us, the gifts and the ministries of the Holy Spirit that he's put upon us, and the gospel that he's given to us. All of those things matter in the context of being ready for the return of Jesus. Say <laughs> being ready for the return of Jesus isn't just keeping time and like looking up. That's important. It is important important to Love is appearing and long for his appearing and hasten, you know, hasten the day of his appearing. That is certainly important. It is important for us to keep track of where we're at in the, in the you know, the timeline. But more importantly, well, I don't know, we'll put it up there with equal importance. It is as important to steward the things that God has entrusted you with so that when he comes back, he can say, well done, good and faithful servant. I've given you a few things. You've multiplied those things and it has brought my kingdom an increase. Okay, this is for everyone here. These are things he's given to us that we can steward correctly. And unfortunately, we have the the capacity to steward them incorrectly. All right, as I submit my life to him and multiply what he's given me, his kingdom grows. All right, let me ask you a question today. Are you living to multiply God's kingdom? Are you living to multiply your kingdom? A couple weeks ago, oh, about a week ago, um, there's, <laughs> it was kind of a funny situation I'll just talk to you about. Um, there's a church from Omaha, Nebraska, who's been planting churches kind of up in Fort Collins and they're planting to the plant churches in the front range. Anyway, this church is called City Light Church. Okay, it's one letter off from our name. Our, our name is City Lights Church. And we knew about this when they planted in Fort Collins, and it's actually caused a little bit of confusion. Um, we, they even told us, we met with, the, we met with these these pastors, um, and they had a small group in Windsor that they call City Group, and there was someone from our church going to one of their city groups for a few weeks before they realized, oh, this isn't City Lights Church in Greeley. This is City Lights Church in Fort Collins. So it's caused, it's caused some... Uh, a little bit of confusion. Well, anyway, um, we hear that, like, this church now wants to plant a church in Greeley, and I'm like, okay, it's one thing if you're up in Fort Collins. It's another thing if you come to Greeley, and so actually the pastor, uh, the pastors who were planting this this particular campus, um, they're apparently, they're autonomous campuses, but they're all from a church in um, Omaha. Um, he reached out to me and said, hey, can we, we're, Uh, We're planning in Greeley. Can we meet? Our names are very similar. I'm like, yes, we can meet because we need to figure this out. This is not going to (laughs) work. And so they're actually really cool. We sat down and and talked with them. And, um, you know, I've been on the other side of this table where I come to a city and I meet with pastors. I'm like, I want to start a church. And some of them are just like, we don't need more churches. We got enough churches. And the fact of the matter is we do need more churches. We do. Because there's still people that need reached. I should say this. We don't need more churches. We need more evangelistic churches who are reaching people for Jesus, which is what these people are going to do. And then we're excited about it. And so I told them, I said, come here, be the biggest, you know, be the biggest church in Greeley. Win the whole city. I don't really care. Um, but if you could, could you change your name when you come here? That would, <laughs> that would be really helpful. And I, I think they are. We, we talked about that. But my wife and I got to, got to pray with them um, and just receive them into the city and welcome them into the city, um, because, and, and just say, hey, we're not in a competition with you. We wanna, we're about the same thing. Like we're co-laborers for Jesus, and we got to pray with them. And I just prayed something. I was like, God, um, we have this name, and they're thinking now they got to think of another name of a church. But I said, ultimately, God. Let us glorify your name. Let the name of Jesus be glorified in this city. We want to build your kingdom, not our little kingdoms or our churches. Amen? I'm partial to City Lights, obviously. I love what we're doing. I love our vision. You know, God gave this vision to me. But I'm for any gospel church in Greeley who's preaching the good news of Jesus. Why? Because the kingdom's gonna grow. It's for his glory, not for my glory. Amen? Listen, are you living for his glory? Are you living for his kingdom? Are you living for your own? Okay, God's coming back, and he's going he's to give rewards. He's going to give rewards to his servants, those who diligently um, lived for Jesus. Listen, salvation is a free gift. Getting to heaven is a free gift. We don't earn that. We don't deserve that. We receive that by faith, um, through grace by faith, You know, or grace by, is by grace through faith. Okay, they receive that. I had to line up the the verse there so I could remember it. Okay, but there is something to be said about heavenly rewards that last forever. Jesus talked about these. He says, store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where the moth does not destroy and thieves don't break in and steal. Amen, we can do this. How do we do this? One of the ways we do this is we take the things that he's put into our hands. Let me ask a question. What does he put in your hands? Are you stewing that for him? Are you stewing that to bring the king an increase? Or are you doing that for yourself, okay? <clears throat> All right. Now, I want you to notice, it's important to notice this. He gave each person according to their ability. He gave five bags of gold to one, two to the other, and one bag, each according to their ability. Here's the great thing about that. He didn't expect 10 bags of gold from the person who just received one. In fact, it didn't even say he expected two out of that person, although that would follow suit with what the others had done. He just said, increase this. Increase this. Okay, listen, that's, that's our lives. He's given us something, and I, and I don't know. He can, he can measure it. I don't know. We can't keep track of each other. Just whatever he's put in your hands, take it and increase it for his kingdom. Do, Take what he's given you and bring an increase to him. Okay, here's the point. God's not going to judge you for what he's called me to do. He's not going to judge me according to what he's called you to do. He's only going to hold us accountable for what he's called each of us to do. So the the pressure's off, but we get to do this. We get to live for him. Okay. All right. I just want to show you um, the difference between the faithful servant and the wicked servant. All right, so that we have the attributes of the faithful servant. Matthew 25, uh, 24 through 25. The man who had received one bag of gold came. Master said, I knew that you were a hard man. Oh, just pause right there. When Jesus answered him, he never said, you're right, I'm a hard man. He never said that. He just said, yeah, I do gather where I haven't scattered seed and, and, and gathered where I have not reaped. But Jesus never said, yeah, I'm a hard man. Okay. You knew th- um, I knew that you were a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown, uh, sown and gathered where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid and I went and hid your gold in the ground. See, here's what belongs to you. Here's the attribute of the wicked servant. He's lazy and afraid. Fear and laziness is the attribute of this servant. Okay, this is a a picture of a person who's not ready for the return of Jesus. Maybe they know exactly what time it is. Maybe they, they've searched the scripture and they, they've searched it diligently and lo, like, no, yep, I'm really keeping track. I'm keeping track of the time. I, I think I know when Jesus is returning. It's, it's, you know, they know what time it is. But that doesn't mean you could still be in fear and be lazy and you're not ready for the return of Jesus. Why? Because you're not doing anything with what he's put into your hands. Okay, um, this person buried it, they hid it. Are you putting what God has entrusted you with to work or are you burying it in the ground okay um let's jump back to matthew 24 and i want to show you what jesus says here matthew 24 verse 4 he says this take heed that no one deceives you for many will come in my name saying i am the christ and will deceive many and you will hear of wars and rumors of wars well that's happening right now watch this though see that you are not troubled See to it that you're not troubled. I, Harmony kind of like alluded to this when she's up here, but it's like, yeah, we, we can't carry this burden twenty-four-seven because we have to live our lives. We pray, we intercede, we but we can't let our hearts be so overwhelmed with trouble that we shut down, okay? See to it that you're not troubled. For all these things must come to pass, but the kingdom is not yet. For nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom, there will be famines, pestilences, earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginning of sorrows Jesus says this in the end times see to it that your heart is not in fear see to it that you're not troubled see to it that your eyes are fixed on him your gaze is fixed on him what happens when you become the person who is seized with fear you take what he's entrusted you with and you go bury it in the ground okay this is why we have to live free from fear F- free from anything um, to fear the Lord really is to fear, fear nothing else if you fear him, you'll have nothing else to fear. If you have reverence for the Lord, you have, you have no reason to fear anything else. <coughs> all right. See to it you don't live in fear. We need to continue to do this all the more as we see the day approaching. Um, I just want to encourage you guys, all the more as you see the day approaching, take the things that God has placed in your hands and use them for his kingdom and his glory. I'll give you one example. Um, we have a tithing church. Tithers are, are those who take giving seriously and they give the first 10% to the Lord. This church doesn't run off of tippers. It runs off of tithers. People who, like when we, when the whole COVID thing broke out and we stopped passing buckets and we never went back because we're like, I don't know if we need the buckets because giving never really dipped. Um, now most people give online anyway and you could still give in the foyer. But listen, the tithers found us. Why? Because they take it seriously. They take the giving seriously. Well, listen, the tendency in these, in these hours is like, well, gas is high, inflation's high, there's war, uncertainty. People's tendency is to take what God has given them and bury it in the ground. I've got to just hang on to this. I've got to hide this, right? No, listen, sow it. Yeah. Sow, sow that first 10% to the Lord. Invest it into the kingdom of God. Why? Because there's a harvest coming for you especially in times of uncertainty. Ecclesiastes 11.4 says this, whoever watches the wind will not plant. Whoever looks at the clouds will not reap. If you're constantly just looking at the swaying world, you're not gonna sow, you're not gonna invest, right? If you're constantly watching the 24-7 news cycle, you're gonna be in constant fear, okay? So don't bury your investment. Okay, that was the attribute of the wicked servant, lazy and afraid. What, is, what about the faithful servant? Matthew twenty five sixteen. the man who had received five bags of gold went at once and put his, um, put his money to work and gained five more. So also the one with two bags of gold gained two more. Notice at once, this person at once went and put it to work. One of the attributes of productive people Is they're not waiting to arrive before they invest? Um, I'll give you an example of this. My wife and I have we've done we did college ministry before we did big church ministry, and um, college ministries aren't known for bringing in a lot of money. (laughs) Like we would take up offerings, and you know it wasn't that much. because they're in college. They haven't, they're going to school. They're not. But listen, I will say that I've just followed the trajectory of certain people. And I will tell you that those people who were tithers then are tithers now. Tithers when they had small families. Tithers when, listen, if you can't be generous now. You can't be generous where you're going. Okay? And the people who were generous with their time then were generous in the interim, and they're generous on their trajectory now. So many times we're waiting to arrive. It's like, I'll start to give when I have this much time or when I retire or when, you know, my kids are out of the house. I'll start to tithe when I get to this amount and then I can make sure I can pay these, you know, whatever. So many times we wait to sow and invest our lives until we've arrived. Um, in my own life, um, I felt a call to be in full-time ministry. And um, I pursued that because I felt that was the call of God in my life. And when my wife and I became um, college pastors, we were novices. We we knew that we knew we were novices. So we surrounded ourselves with people that knew more. But listen, I took every opportunity I could to do what I'm doing right now—to stand in front of people, to work on, and steward the gift of God and the call of God in my life. I've said this before, but I would say, as far as public speaking ability, some people are natural public speakers. Like they're just born with this ability to be in front of people and whatever. I would say I was I was born with less than average ability to do what I'm doing right now, but God called me to do it anyway. And listen, that's the way He does it sometimes. And I had to work I had to work to get to average. <laughs> you know what I mean? And I like to think that I've worked a little more and got a little bit past average. But listen, whether it's an instrument like learning an instrument, um, maybe you you don't want to use that gift God's given you because you're afraid of the audition with Greg, and he's going to tell you, you can't be on this team, but you got to go play for the youth or something like that for a while, which is fine, by the way. (laughs) Like, that's what we do with developing, you know, people. Like, go play for the men's ministry, the women's ministry, the youth ministry, like, so that we can continue to develop you. But if you're waiting to be the best musician, you're not going to, you're not going to, you can't go from there to here like that, okay? It takes development, Anything God given has given us, we have to develop. We have to take the time to do that. No one wants to be the novice. It's like when you go to the gym; um, you got people who like they, eat, you know, they just don't know what to do with the weights and move it around. And they don't want to feel, and they don't want to feel stupid. So they're like, "I'm not going to go to the gym because I don't want to feel stupid," or "I don't want to go to the running group because everyone's going to be faster than me." It's like, well, first of all, no one cares. No one's looking at you. We're all be there for you. It's you against you. It's not. It's not a competition. You know what I'm saying? But we want to take the things God has given us, steward them well, and bring it, an, as we get better at them, bring an increase in the multiplication, and it will bring glory to the Lord. Amen? It's good stuff right there. Start now, trust God with the results. Start giving now, start serving now, start loving now. Here's the point. Small choices over time equal big results. Okay? Small choices over time equal big results. This is how you do anything. You have to be willing to start small and grow big. 1 Peter 4, 10, and 11, and I'm coming to a close with this. He says this. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. Okay, that's for every single one of us here. Each one of us should use Whatever God has given you to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace. Anyone who speaks should do it as one who speaks the very words of God. Ah, oh. <laughs> just kidding. If any of you serves, they should do it with the strength God provides so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and power forever. Amen. Okay? Church, don't take the things God has entrusted you and hold them and bury them Hold them out, sow them, trust God with the results. This is especially important all the more as we see the day approaching. I just want this, this morning, I want everyone to just take an inventory. Take an inventory of your time, take an inventory of your money, take an inventory of your energy, take an inventory of your relationships. Are you stewarding these things? Like your kids, are you stewarding those relationships? Your spouse, are you stewarding that relationship for the glory of God? Your coworkers, are you stewarding those relationships for the glory of God? Take inventory, and I just want to encourage you, if the Holy Spirit, we'll pray here in a minute, and if the Holy Spirit highlights any area of your life, take that to Him and say, God, help me to steward this for your kingdom, your glory. And Maybe you're great in a certain area, but maybe in another, uh, you know that you can do better, and the Holy Spirit is just going to highlight that to you today. We want to understand the times we live in, but we, more than that, we want to know what to do, what to do. I'm going to pray, and then we'll we'll wrap up here. Jesus, we love you. I thank you for every individual in this place. <clears throat> we thank you for the, the giftings and the callings of God in our life, Lord, that you've placed on us. I thank you that every person here is qualified to bring an increase to your kingdom. Every person here is put here for a reason, to bring an increase to your kingdom, to your name, to your glory, Lord. And God, I um, I pray that we would, in every area, Lord, we would just bring a multiplication to your name, Lord. We bring a multiplication to your glory, Lord. And Lord, I just also pray, just for that joy thing that Harmony was talking about earlier, a, a day without laughter is a day wasted. Lord, I pray the joy of the Lord as we live this out, that we're, we're, conduits for your glory, Lord. We're conduits for your kingdom, and I pray we would feel the pleasure of God. We would feel the joy of God when we're walking in his will and walking in his ways. Father, I thank you for your great love. Help us to do this. We love you. In Jesus' name, everyone said, amen.